Hello. Thank you for going to the Les Schwab Twires. Twires? I don't know. Hello. We appreciate you going to the Les Schwab. Les Schwab. Why can't like you Vive, say tires? Vive Clicquot. It's the same Just thing. Just say tires. Uh, where, where do we pick up from? Hi, uh, everyone. You're listening to the Center in the Saint podcast. I'm Luke Anderson. I'm Will Darkins, well, and this is sponsored by Les Schwab Tires. Is that right? I think so. Okay. Yep. Enjoy. Doing the right thing since 1952. Honey, you promised you would take the kids to the zoo today. When are you going to mow the lawn? Your parents are coming over and you're not even dressed. You promised you were going to leave your wife for me. Don't let this happen to you. Everybody's working for the weekend, but your family and friends are always ruining your days off. Introducing football season, the best way to drown out the ones you love. Watch grown men run into each other head first. Marvel as overweight men chase a bouncing ball. Let the gladiators of today help you disconnect from the worries of the modern world. Get your 2018 college and pro football seasons today and we'll throw in the Sinner and the Saints tailgate show. Presented by Frost Brewed Coors Light for free. That's right, you'll get two football leagues. Luke Anderson. If you were at the gym and you saw Myers Leonard pull up in a Prius, met him at the swimming pool, but you didn't have really have a chance to talk to him because he kind of dismisses of you would you leave your name and number in his uh, windshield will darkens like, i want to see more of the man bag the alligator skin man and bag. two hours you'll never get back every saturday morning for one low price just turn your dial to 1080 the fan hey, 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 hey. happy saturday morning we're on an hour early, but the energy is already here. Yeah! Yeah! Oh! Oh! Somebody's excited. It's Oregon game day. They're oh, back at Autzen. Oh, and guess oh, who else is back at Autzen? Oh! Today, right oh. now, in the state of Oregon, it was pointed out to me, you've got Chip Kelly and LeBron James in the state of Oregon right now. Oh! You okay? Yeah, I'm all right. All right, we might have lost Will for this. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, hey, no, it's it's a big, big day in sports. Uh, obviously, college football Saturday, uh, UCLA taking on the Oregon Ducks. We've got LSU, Alabama in Death Valley at yeah. night. We have Ed Ogeron live with us uh, doing the pregame here on the center in the center. Yeah, somehow we caught him uh, out of the depths of the swamp, that swamp monster. He's wonderful, isn't he? Now, they did a because uh, you know game days down there, right? Yes, as they should be. And they're down there, and they did some preview about Ed Orgeron and uh, his wife and how much his wife means to him. Now, this is going to sound awful, like most things on this show. I can't believe he's married. <laughs> Wait, what? I can't believe anybody would marry. How that much? Guy. How much money does he make? Uh, that doesn't matter. To uh, me. The, the voice and the look is too much for me. He is the walking oh, embodiment no. of a bullfrog. Oh yeah, listen. There's a uh, there's there's a select group of women that find uh, Ed Ogeron and the Ed Ogeron type very attractive. What is it that has kept you together so long? It's his voice. Yeah, it's his voice. When I he whispers it. sweet nothings into my ear. Yeah, literally sweet nothings. Oh yeah, absolutely. Can't understand it. I'll bet that, guy, that comes out. I'll bet that guy can cook some crawfish though. Sure. Oh yeah. yes, he oh, looks yeah. like an incredible cook. Yeah. He's. I, mm-hmm. Here's the thing. You're just. You're only looking surface deep. Of course. You need to. 
obviously. Why would I? Why would I go beyond what I've that? I've been doing for thirty years. If you look, if you look at the uh, the entire person that is at Ogeron, uh, he's got a lot of wonderful qualities that make him a suitable mate for, uh, I believe, Kelly Ogeron. Kelly, huh? I think that's her name. You know, I, if I could chime in here. I, oh, I, Preston oh, Highfield oh, chiming oh, oh, in. Oh. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, our social media guru and oh, yes. traffic and weather update. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Jeez. Um, so we I didn't do, even wait for an introduction. We do. We're happy to have you on the show, Preston. But you don't just butt in. Clearly, we're having an in-depth conversation about something that matters to the sports listeners of Portland. And you think you just dive in on our Ed O talk. This is how we start every show. Our listeners demand it. And when yeah. you interrupt it, it throws off their chi. So I should stay in my lane then. I'll just, I'll let you guys do it's, your thing. No, no, okay. no, please. Okay, okay, I'll go. Just okay, okay, okay. Fine. Well, we have the Sinner and St. Paul question out. As yeah. recommended by you guys, who has the best voice in sports? Ed Orgeron, Mike Tyson, Kevin Harlan, or Macho Man Randy Savage? Wait, who- wait, Kevin Harlan. I specifically asked you to put in Bill Walton. And I specifically said ignore what Luke said and put in Kevin Harlan. Uh, I, I did side with Will here. Unbelievable. He Kevin said Harlan? Okay, back, so. new, put in a new poll. Kevin Harlan or Bill well, Walton? Well, we, we also have a good comment from one of our listeners, Nolan Waters, who threw out Patrick Mahomes. And yep. I don't know how we forgot that one because he has a really good voice, too. I, I didn't forget that one. Pat Mahomes is like the the new, you know, kid on the block. He's got Ed Ogeron's voice. He's just he's trying to steal that. Yeah, now, he, is. he looks like Steph Curry, but sounds like – I don't even think he sounds like Ed Orgeron. He just kind of sa- – he kind of sounds like Miles Davis. Have you ever heard Miles Davis talk? Well, I've – no, I don't know that I have. Well, I, then you should look it up because that's how he sounds. Okay. You whippersnapper. You whippersnapper. I was thinking Louis Armstrong came to mind, but that's right. Is that your Louis Armstrong? Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. It's not bad. Uh, Hey, to get things started, uh, Chip Kelly making his return to Autzen Stadium. Uh, I'll throw this to both of you. Preston, you're an Oregon grad. How do you think the reception should be for Chip Kelly if he gets – obviously, they're not going to do a big production, but how would you welcome Chip Kelly back as an Oregon fan? Can you guys shut up. <laughs> In the student section, they better be doing the big balls chip thing, man. When he walks by – remember the big balls chip thing they used to do? They, they need to be doing that to, to kind of welcome him in. And yeah, I mean, Shut the, up! The, 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 uh, the crowd just needs to give him a standing O. I mean, he's even 46 and 7 there. Well, yeah, I, I mean, okay. I, I was listening to Dirt and Sprague on Friday, and I think they had probably the best solution to all this, which is you give him a standing ovation when he comes out, and then you're kind of cleared. That's it. Like, from then on, it's yep. you're the enemy, you're the opponent, we treat you as such, and that's it. There's no ill will towards Chip. He left, and I think the fan base knew exactly when and why he was leaving. There wasn't anything mysterious about it. This wasn't a Brian Kelly at Cincinnati situation or a – Nick Saban at uh, LSU or at Miami situation. He he was very clear about the idea. I want to go to the NFL. And sanctions are coming. And sanctions are coming. I'm probably <laughs> not going to be able to coach you anyway. So just let me go to the NFL. I think there was a very good parting, and it'll be great to have him back. Now, I think it's interesting that he's coming back so low on the food chain now. Well, wait, 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 wait. So UCLA, one of their two wins is against Arizona. Arizona just beat Oregon, therefore, by transitive properties, UCLA is the favorite in this game, right? Yes, but UCLA also played Utah and got whooped by Utah. Okay, and they lost to Cal, I think, too. Yeah. 
Not good. No, no, They're man, they good. beat Cal. They lost to uh, who was the other common opponent that they had and got how, Washington. Mm, Washington. Washington. Yeah. UCLA is absolutely terrible, and I think it was pretty premature for people to say the hey, let's fire Chip Kelly uh, talk after he had all those losses. Seriously, Jim Mora left the cover bare, like bad, really yeah. bad. There is no talent. Wilton Spate is your best quarterback option for today. That's well, not a good sign. Yeah, and he doesn't exactly fit the prototypical uh, Chip Kelly quarterback mold that you no. would like to see. What, but the thing that will be interesting is college football is very different than when Chip Kelly came in and kind of took the world by storm with the Boer offense too, though. So seeing what Chip Kelly does in act two is going to be very interesting and what his offense looks like because just coming out and running speed at people and tempo isn't going to uh, affect college football the way that it did a decade ago. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, he caught kind of fire in a bottle there or lightning in a bottle there at Oregon. Fire in a bottle? <laughs> not not fire in a bottle. Like fire water? <laughs> like, like fireflies? Yeah. Uh, no. You I'm, catching fireflies? Oh, you, you, you just can't run this spread tempo with Wilton Spade at quarterback. It just does not look right. And even with that Dorian Thompson Robinson kid, the freshman, who they've had ups and downs with, and his dad's been criticizing Chip on Twitter this season. Which is they, awesome, by which, the way. It's pretty funny, and he's had to deflect questions. I could do that coach's conference call, and he got asked about it a couple times, but they don't even really run tempo very no. much. Like, I've watched him, and they don't. It's, it doesn't look like the, it's the not offense Chip Kelly's that offense Chip ran, ran in Oregon. Oregon. No, well, it, and it's interesting, because I think he took some aspects from the NFL and kind of tried to sprinkle them in. And you're completely right. It's not tempo, but I'm also kind of confused about what it is. One of the best things about Chip Kelly's offense, whether it was in college or in pro in pro when he was with uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia was that he was always able to get playmakers, the ball in space, like always every single freaking time. He did it with Michael James. He did it with Colt Lyerla. He was able to do it with Michael Vick for like six games. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you look at this offense down, and it just looks to, totally bland. And you can't tell if it's a, whether he's lost his magic or, again, like I said, cupboard's bare. But you have to remember there's a big difference in the transition from Chip Kelly taking over as head coach at Oregon where he was the offensive coordinator and he had a big part in building the identity of that team and then taking over and then going in and having a complete rebuild and a new, you know, uh, plan from what Jim Mora was doing. If you can call it a plan, Jim Mora never really did anything, but, but taking over and, and going, all right, now this is my team. Let me build it from scratch essentially versus going, all right, I'm the OC. I'm already a big part of the recruiting. I've got my guys in place. I know how to use the weapons that I have. Now I need to go out and, and execute that. It's, it's very, very different. Just switching roles with a team versus taking over and starting from scratch too. Yeah. UCLA last year when Josh Rosen was hurt was absolutely terrible too. Like yeah. he was the entire, program I, mean, I think he missed like the utah game he missed a couple other games and they would lose like 45 to 7 like without josh rosen they were absolutely nothing and they also lost uh jordan lastly and i believe darren anders was his name two really good receivers from that team so i they don't have a, a ton of talent uh for chip to work with well, as you far remember as the rosen position. was the only thing that brought them back at the texas a&m game yeah, i mean, I mean yeah. they were dead in the water i mean if statistically just by optics that was the greatest comeback in college football history and it was rosen and he didn't even really play that well all by himself yes yeah it's pretty unbelievable uh so pac-12 schedule doesn't look as intriguing now that teams continue to get two and three losses uh, across the across the entire Pac-12, but there are some great games around college football that have huge, huge implications for the college football playoffs, none, none bigger than LSU and Alabama. 
Uh, so we'll get to all of that. Big games in the NFL. The Blazers are going to the NBA Finals. Uh, a lot more when the Center and Saint continues. You're listening to 1080 The Fan. Listen to a little Bruce Springsteen to start your morning. Oh, the boss. Boss. All right, big day of college football. We finally got our first uh, college football rankings, and the committee obviously hedging their bet to make sure as many SEC teams get in as possible. As much as we all want to see Alabama lose, I think putting LSU at number three with one loss kind of means you need LSU to lose. Otherwise, it just sets up where Alabama has a chance to get back into the college football playoff, just like they did last year without even making their championship game. So... As much as I'd like to say I want this to be a great game and I want Alabama to get knocked off, I think the committee has kind of thrown some wet blanket on me and just kind of made it where it's like, all right, let's just get all crowded at the top. And I'm actually upset about that. Well, 55305, I want to hear from people on the Better You Today text line. Do you think that this was an inside job by the college football playoff <laughs> committee, the idea of putting Alabama at one, LSU at three, and creating a safeguard for Bama? Which is, if they lose, they're not going to drop out of the top four. No, because they no. end up losing to the number three, three. team. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's a completely exactly understandable saying. loss. Yeah, I mean, the, the big thing with these rankings is, is it used to be who's the best or who's the most deserving. Now it's just like that. the college football playoff committee's job is to say who's the best. Yep. And that's, that, that's literally their job. So even if Bama loses, Bama's one of the four best teams. So they're going to put them in. Well, no, no. What the, the college football committee's job, the playoff committee's job is right now is to protect themselves whatever decision they want to make at the end of the year. They put these rankings in place. And I can't remember what the team was, but somebody was doing a breakdown on it before the final week of it. And they said, watch, they're going to put, you know, whatever team in the top 25 just so it makes Alabama look better. And I can't it was one of their non-conference games. And it was non-SEC team, but they ended up moving up one of their non-conference teams into a top 25 spot. So they go, look, they beat 14 top 25 teams in, in six games. Why? How could you not put them in just because they lost to Auburn? And that's what they're doing right now. They're absolutely hedging their bet against Alabama losing this game. Well, the thing that happened last year is what is basically proving why Bama should be in, unfortunately for Bama haters, is that they lost. They didn't even play in the SEC championship game, and they still won the national title, which has been like a recurring theme that okay, has happened okay, okay, under Preston. Saban before. Sure, Preston, but here's here's the thing that, you, that you're missing. What's the big argument against a non-Power 5 school being put into this thing? A big question all week long will be about your quarterback, your offense. Sorry, that was a longer shut up than I thought. <laughs> Get no, some Aaron no, Anders on the show. We, so we had Suk on last week. We were out at Vancouver Ford talking with him. You guys shut up. Okay, there we go. Well, but, here, but here's the argument against having a, a team like Boise State. Boise State beat Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl. They can win if they have one shot at it, right? The argument is always, well, they can do it for one game, but can they do it for three or four? By or getting an entire a bye, season. Yeah. Well, I know, but Alabama got a bye week during the SEC championship game. Imagine they play that game. They have a key player go down. Then they have to go play a playoff game. Then the national championship. Essentially what they did by putting Alabama in is they gave a team that had a bye week in the final week of the season a shot at the college football playoff with an extra week of rest. I know that they get that long stretch anyways, but it does yeah. affect you not having to play one more game. That's why bye weeks are so valuable in the NFL getting into the playoffs and all of those things. 
thing. So college football playoff wants Alabama in there, not because they're one of the best teams. It's because the ratings go up and the college football playoff is a money making tool. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Am I that far off in this? No, not really. (laughs) Well, the thing is if a Bama running back went down, they just replace him with another five star. So I'm not, I'm not super sold on that argument. That did happen to Auburn though. Teams with less depth, like Auburn, People forget how, the reason they lost so badly in that SEC title game is because like half their team got hurt against Bama the week before when they beat them, and so then they had like no one fresh. So I, I, if it was like the next week, I would I would agree. But if what? if you have like a month off, I don't know if it's that big of a deal. But the ratings thing is a great point yeah, by you because it, Bama brings ratings. Well, and that's what it is. And if you put if you put Ohio State in there, who went in when they did not win the Big Ten because. They, they lost to Penn State. Penn State won, ended up going to a Rose Bowl and playing one of the best Rose Bowls I can remember watching. Yeah, that was amazing. But, but Penn State get, didn't get the opportunity because they wanted to make sure that they had the ratings up, and they put in Ohio State. They did the same thing with, with Alabama last year. And, and, yes, I know that Alabama has all this depth and can't be beaten, but they don't win undefeated national championships every year. They won one against Texas, and in the in the college football playoff era, they don't have an undefeated season. Yep. They've got national championships, but they don't have an undefeated season. And if you keep getting everybody's best shot week after week after week, it becomes a lot harder. I mean, wouldn't you have wanted to see them play Georgia in the in the SEC championship game last year? And do you think it's a guarantee that they walk through and win? Remember, that team was down big to Oklahoma until they put in Tua. And yeah. I, I, I know that there's this idea that you can just throw in another guy from Alabama and they're going to win it, but they, do, they don't win every year. I know we uh, think they do, but they don't. Okay, so let's shift a little bit it from Alabama okay because I feel like we can talk ourselves into a hole here well we've already done that we need to drag us out of the hole buddy talk about the dark horse the dark horse and UCF (laughs) okay so they beat Temple Temple's no team to slotch well they were losing to Temple too they were losing but they beat them they gave up 40 to Temple okay so they beat Temple they got three more games they got Navy they got Cincinnati and they got South Florida if they went out they go to their conference championship, whatever conference they're in, American conference. Sure, that, it? Yeah. that sounds right. Uh, if they win out, shouldn't they deserve to get in if stop. Notre Dame loses and Alabama loses? Yeah, stop. Uh, no. <laughs> well, hold on a second. You don't really think that. What's that? No, if, I if don't. Bama, if Bama, Notre Dame, and Michigan all lose, you don't think UCF gets in? Well, so, so if you have Michigan and Ohio State lose again, so you have a two-loss uh, Big Ten champion is that? What yep. you're, is that? And what then you have a Notre Dame team that's a two loss. Well, they only need to be one loss, I think, to be eliminated. But you look at the other one loss teams that are sitting there. So you need Oklahoma to lose. You need Washington State to lose. I think I'd put in a one loss Washington State over an undefeated UCF. Oh, for sure. Okay. So, so that's close. not that far out of the possibility. Well, I don't no, no. Think. I'm, yeah, but I'm not saying that they have to win. And then you need you. You just need absolute chaos because the winner of the SEC, I think, is in even if they have two losses, which it's hard to picture because you figure you're going to get the winner of Kentucky and Georgia today is going to go in and, and be the representative in the East. The winner of LSU Alabama is probably going to be a one-loss team representing the West, so you're going to have a one-loss SEC champion. I would expect that you have either Michigan or Ohio State, whoever wins that game, unless Michigan lays a dud against I, Penn State I, today. I, I just but I think, think the winner of that game goes in and becomes a one-loss Big Ten. They're in. You're going to have a good team come out of uh, – you're going to have Clemson come out of the ACC, let's be honest. Oh, my God, the ACC is a disaster. And, and so there's your three teams. So yeah. I think you're waiting on uh, Notre Dame, 
uh, if Washington State can win out or if Oklahoma can win out, and those that's your fourth team. I think you have to get U- UCF in there. Or the other there. SEC team. You have to get UCF in there if they go undefeated this year. Right. I think you just have to figure a way to do it because they beat Auburn last year, and they're on this insane winning streak. And if the whole point of the college football playoff, at least what the committee is saying is the whole point, is to put the best teams that deserve to be in there they deserve to be in there. I think you use your best yeah. hope. Because with- otherwise, if they want to be completely transparent and say it's about money, then screw record. Just get Oklahoma, Michigan, Alabama, and Notre Dame in there. Well, but That's he- it. That'll here- make you the most money. Here's what you want, though. If, if, you're, if you're a college football fan and you're looking at this going, oh, UCF deserves a chance. If you're trying to say it because they won 22 straight games or whatever, the, whatever it'll be by that point, here's what you got to hope for is that they they deserve to get in, but they don't open a door for them. You want at least two deserving teams sitting on the outside. You want UCF to win out. You want Notre Dame to win out. Ideally, you can get it where it's so mishmashed at the top of the SEC, you have to pick from one of those teams. It'd be great if Alabama got left out. They lose to LSU. LSU wins, so they put LSU in. You get a one-loss winner of the Big Ten, and you have at least two or three deserving teams that are on the outside looking in because then the playoff committee is going to get so much pressure, and then you look at expansion. I think that's a better scenario, and that's the best thing UCF can offer because UCF is probably not even the best uh, undefeated uh, non-Power 5 team, right? I mean, what Fresno State right now Fresno has a better State, RPI. Please. They're better, but they're in don't. all in all the metrics. Don't give me the metrics. All it's the about metrics. the eye I'm looking at all the metrics here. I'm looking at their RPI. I'm looking at this this rating system I'm over looking here. At their looking at the power football index. I'm looking at a rating system that I made up on a spreadsheet using Excel. I moved it over to Google Docs. Everything translated just fine. The numbers stayed the same. Their ratings are better. Fresno State over UCF. That's what I say. Let me tell you something. Huh? You ever look at this? What's their plus minus? Yeah. What's their plus minus? Take a look at the you plus minus. You tell me what the plus minus Fresno is. Fresno State's plus minus plus. They're in the Central Valley of California, and there's a lot of viewers there. A lot of the farm workers are going to come in. They're going to enjoy that. 1-800 big money. Big money. All We're right. going to have our picks in hour two. You call in. <laughs> we make you cash. I have put a lean against my house. On this duck My wife is going to kill me. If this bet doesn't come oh. in, you'll hear all about it. She told me, my dog, I've had my dog for six years. We got together after that. She said she's going to kill the dog if I don't win this bet. All right, now you've taken it too far. Will, it's hope, true. here's what we're hoping for. It's true. As a college football fan, as much as you want the best four teams, I think as you want the three great teams sitting on the outside, I think that is is the one thing that's going to get people admitting that you need to expand this college football playoff in some meaningful fashion, whether it's six, whether it's eight, whether it's, what does Mike Leach want, 32? He wants like 16 or 32. 64, he wants so, a 64-team bracket. Playoff start uh, in November. Yeah, okay, UCF, UCF is winning this argument because we're talking about them. Now, they shouldn't they shouldn't make the playoff. But we are talking about them, and ESPN and Game Day is talking about them, and so they're winning. They're winning. Okay. okay. Um, however, they're, they're, they're not, not one of the four best teams. No, they're and not. And it's not even close, Will. All right. NFL is getting into crunch time. Uh, let's take a look at some big quarterback matchups. we got Tom Brady against Aaron Rodgers. you got Mitchell Trubisky against Nathan Peterman. Big week in the NFL. We'll get to that right after we throw it to Will with the news. <laughs> Better you to take text line 55305 just to carry over from our conversation about LSU, Alabama. If LSU wins by 70 today, it will not affect 
Alabama's long-term chances. No, it really won't. That's the sad part. And I don't think it's so much of a thing of we have to extend or create more spots in the college football playoff. I don't think that's the solution. I think we just need to change the narrative about Alabama. I, I get that they're really good, but... You know, hey, if they lose, maybe you drop them out. Yeah. I don't know. Well, maybe it, they should earn their way back. But, again, it didn't start with Alabama, remember? It started with Ohio State losing to Penn State, not winning the Big Ten, and still getting in. So it's not just Alabama. I think everybody thinks that it's it's this, this rule that they made that Alabama always gets in. Alabama earned their way in for the first couple of years. Then they were kind of given a pass last year. But uh, Ohio State was the first team to get that exception. So, dude, Tua still hasn't played a fourth quarter. Yes, he did. He played one in the national championship game. You calm down. This year, the greatest fourth this quarter year. anybody's ever played ever. This year. All right, we'll get back into college football. Luke's a huge Tua honk. What? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, what did he say? Whoa! He said I'm a huge Tua honk. Yeah, he's amazing. He's okay. Yeah, he's whatever. Dude, he throws like 15 passes a game and he goes for 400 yards and six touchdowns. Well, which, by the way, that would just scare the living ass out of me if I was a pro recruit. Pro recruit. <laughs> pro recruit. What are you saying? I said an NFL scout? Yeah, pro recruit. A talent, <laughs> an NFL talent evaluator? I think we should just call NFL scouts pro recruits forever NFL. now. I don't know if that's if you're being recruited by the pros. An NFL contractor? <laughs> it should, though. It should scare the crap out of you that he can't, he can't play an entire game. Well, and he can't slide, and he keeps hurting his knee. And that he's, what, 5'10"? Oh, he's like 5'8". Yeah, that guy's got no chance. Five eight. This guy's got no future. Who's got a future? Justin Herbert. That guy's going to play on Sundays, and we'll talk about him at the top of hour two. Okay. We'll talk more college football there. So we'll, we'll just we'll just write it right in there in yeah. that part of the show. Uh, so normally that would be our ten o'clock hour. Today it's our nine o'clock hour. Yep. Because we're doing the show an hour earlier. Now so you told that's me that's where air. we'll talk more about college football. You told me off air, and you promised we'd talk some NFL. We're going to talk NFL right here, right now. Well, let's hear it. Well, here's, Get me into it. Bill I'm ready. Bill Belichick. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Keep talking. You interested? Yeah, no, I am a little bit. He was asked who he would take at quarterback over Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Uh-huh. Well, what did he say? Rodgers. Did he really say that? No, it's been implied like a thousand times. This question has been parsed 10,000 different ways, and I've heard a thousand different angles of it. Who would you take, Rodgers or Brady right now? Well, there was an ESPN article that basically delved into this for however many words. It was a very big piece. I read all of it because I'm a tool, and I'll read anything <laughs> on ESPN. Um, who would I take right now? Uh, it's it's interesting because you have to base it off of a, a, a nice balance of success and talent, right? Sure. I would take Rodgers on talent, but you don't know what Aaron Rodgers looks like with a competent coach and an effective roster behind him. Probably the best roster he's ever had was in 2011. And what did he do with that? Uh, They almost went undefeated. I think they got through almost like week 13 or 14 with no loss. Yeah. So, I I mean, you take Rodgers, but then you also look at Rodgers and you say he's somebody who mentally he's a little bit vulnerable. Yeah, right? the, the weird thing was the Mina Kimes piece on him about how he didn't know what to do after he won his Super Bowl. Yeah, that That's whole bizarre. thing, he, he hired some spiritual guide or something. It, it was very strange. He he has a very strange affection to him. Um, has completely disavowed his family. Uh, has a very weird relationship with his head coach, Mike McCarthy. And, I mean, it's not even like a very uh, straightforward, you can understand it type of relationship. He He continually undercuts him in the press. 
I, I mean, it's very strange. And so that's why you kind of lean over to the Tom Brady side, right? Even though Tom Brady is an enormous D-bag, he is extremely talented and he's extremely coachable. Well, this is one of the things that I've always said. It's not necessarily that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, no matter who they were paired with, were going to be great. Sometimes it's just getting a guy that or two guys that understand each other really well. I mean, Phil Jackson had this effect on both Michael and Kobe, but those guys played independent of Phil Jackson and didn't have the success that they had. Sometimes when you just get a guy that knows how your talents are best used, and and you talk about building a team around Aaron Rodgers, the thing is they rebuild the Patriots around Tom Brady every year. I mean, they've won five different Super Bowls with five very different teams and the best team didn't even win the Super Bowl. And that was the Randy Moss team where they broke every NFL single season record went undefeated for 18 games and couldn't quite win 19. I I still believe that's the greatest NFL team of all time. It's hard. It's hard to disagree, but everybody always blemish. Yeah. Well, everybody always throws that in my face and I just kind of go, yeah, I guess so. But let me ask you this now, who do you think wins between them and that seventies dolphins team that went undefeated? And every time you'll go, oh, Patriots, easy. Well, yeah, but it, but again, it's it's all relative. And we get in this conversation with when we talk greatest of all time in any sport, when you go eras and you go, all right, well, for their era, you know, they were the greatest team, I think is a way more realistic way to do it. If you, if you took that game and played it today, what rules are you playing with? Are you playing it where you can hold on to every wide receiver that goes out in a pattern is, are you playing on natural grass and it rains every week and there's always snow. Larry Zonka is going to dominate because the grass is four inches long. I mean, it's, you you can't make those cross era comparisons because we know if you took all of the guys that are on that Dolphins team, talent for talent, they're not as good as any team in the NFL today because they don't have the same sports medicine behind them. They don't have the tr- same workout regimen. They didn't play the same college football Just or say high steroids. school. Football. They don't have steroids. That's very true. <laughs> Come on. Well, I think they did. Make this easy. Then they, yeah. Well, and. And they're not smoking cigarettes in the locker room today. So I think that makes a difference too. Go back and watch old NFL highlight reels and you'll see, you know, those guys are smoking cigarettes in the locker room. Yeah. It's, it's obvious. So, yeah. but the, the, the funny thing is when you go and you make these comparisons, you have Brady who's at the end of his career and, and you can't really trade his career for anything. Aaron Rodgers, I think where we're at right now with him is you're like, what if there's so many what ifs and he still has time ahead of him. But you still mm. go if he was with a better team. That if he contract was with a better he coach. signed is concerning. I honestly thought Aaron Rodgers at a certain point would just leave. Like I was kind of hoping thought he, he would, would do leave. the the old Kirk Cousins and just franchise for a couple years uh, well, until they let him go. Let's, let's not compare Aaron Rodgers to the equivalent, the NFL equivalent of like Newt Gingrich. Okay, but but here's the thing: that's what it takes for a quarterback to leave. I mean, if if you want, you you're not going to go and demand a trade. Maybe you would, but if you're an NFL team, why would you trade off Aaron Rodgers? There's no assets that you're going to get because back. Because maybe he won't play. Yeah, maybe. I guess he could sit out. I mean, that's pretty unprecedented. But the way that Kirk Cousins got out of Washington was he was franchised for multiple well, years. Kirk Cousins is still young. I mean, this is this is getting to a critical situation where it really doesn't look like the Green Bay Packers are going to be able to afford any help whatsoever. Like in five years, like their best hope is getting really, really lucky or maybe very skilled at talent evaluation in the draft and you get some good core pieces you can build around. The offensive line is in complete tatters. You have a very average at best wide receiver core. I guess you could try to go draft some more wide receivers. You don't have a running back. Your defense is aging. You just got rid of ha ha Clinton Dix. I, I, I mean, 
you're kind of staring down the barrel of a crappy situation in the next five years if you're Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. It sucks. I, I don't disagree. But I mean, he put himself there, but you also as a fan go, dude, I don't see that guy winning another Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't know. Peyton Manning did the same thing, and he, it never was to the detriment of the the Colts when he did that. I mean, when they finally got a defense, they won a Super Bowl, I realized, but they went to two. Uh, Drew Brees has taken all the money that they can print in New Orleans and give it to him. He's got a Super Bowl He deserves there. it. Yeah. <laughs> but Saints are like, going to win the Super Bowl this year, by the way. What's that? Saints are going to win the Super Bowl Saints this might year. not win. The, well, here's your Super yeah. Bowl matchup. Another game this weekend, Saints-Rams. Saints are going to win the Super Bowl. All right. Just, pretty- I, they, have that, they have that look. I called it with the Eagles last year. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> we didn't know that we had a mystic in our... And oh, then, I'm sorry. Trust we, me. The you premonitions can, you can print of Preston the, you, Highfield. You can print the shirts right now. All right. You can print the shirts. Well, there you the go. The Saints are winning the Super Bowl. All right. Well, th- th- listen, that ends any conversation <laughs> when you can print, print the, the shirts. shirts. All right. Print yeah. the Wait, shirts. Can I say something, about the, said, Tom, can I say no. something about the Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers thing? You, yeah, go ahead. Uh, Let's hear it. Okay. I want to hear so, it. I know. So here's something that people don't talk about enough. Tom Brady, and, and everyone's going to criticize this, which is hilarious, takes serious pay cuts. And I, he's got all the money in the world. His wife, Giselle, has all the money in the world. But he takes a lot of pay cuts for everyone around him to get real to get paid and for them to bring in defensive players and skill position guys and blah blah blah. And if if Aaron Rodgers hadn't taken this richest contract in NFL history, not that he deserves it, but had he not taken that, they'd be able to afford a lot more. Yeah, the Patriots still rebuild their team every year. They bring in guys that you've never heard of that come in and get four get touchdowns yeah, in a game. Yeah, but they also pay like Van Noy and Hightower and these like amazing linebackers. Yeah, like, let's just be honest with each other. Look, Tom Brady's going to get an ownership stake in that team when he retires. Bill Belichick's paying him under the table. All right, well, we'll we'll leave our NFL conversation there for now. Uh, There's a lot more uh, pro football uh, in the season, and this will be a good benchmark to see how good these teams are. Uh, But we need to get to to good versus evil, so we'll do that right after Preston Highfield brings you traffic. Have you been too busy to keep up on sports this week? What has happened to the What has happened? What has happened to the national interest? No time to form your own opinions? I stand before you here today in the midst of gnarly times. Well, no worries, brah. <laughs> Let the center and the saint shred the gnar while you just sit back and ride the wave. It's time for Good versus Evil, brought to you by the Titan of Hawaiian Restaurants, 808 on 1080 The Fan. Your career high, 50 points. What does it mean to you, Derek? Uh, everything, man. I work my ass off, bro. I, like... When I did this for the, the franchise, the, the organization, the, the fans, everybody, man, I wouldn't be able to play the way I play. That was a man made from a collection of third grade macaroni art drawings, Derek Rose. The former league MVP, now Timberwolf, caught lightning in a bottle this past week during a 128 to 125 home win against the Jazz. Rose dropped a 50 burger and grabbed the game winning block. The 30 year old has been cut down in his prime by many injuries. Other superstars, including LeBron James, took to social media to praise him. Also important to note, important to note with Rose, he was accused of a gang rape in 2015 and awaits appeals court later this year. Do you think he can keep this play up? Sorry, what was that? Uh, I I just, I think it's important to always remember that, (laughs) that this quote unquote heartwarming story, like he's still facing an appeals court for gang rape. 
Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Like I know, but how, I, I feel like we probably shouldn't forget about that. No, that's that's fair. But then you throw it to, can this heartwarming story continue? <laughs> the way you set that up and knocked it down and then reset it up was a little. And, and then now you're acting like little, you didn't do that. A little difficult. I am holier than thou. <laughs> Jeez, Darkens. Um, yeah, I guess. I don't like. I, I'm not sure what to go from there. Yeah, um, he, he he was one of the youngest MVPs in league history. He's obviously got all the talent in the world. He's he made four of seven threes, which we didn't know he could shoot. So yeah, if you can add a three pointer to the game that he has, he can he can. If you can do it once, you can do it again. He, he, he probably won't stay healthy to do it, and he may end up in prison. So uh, there's been a, a tremendous pushback uh, on the board of reasons who uh, you know, we were told it was their top priority to bring back DJ Durkin and that they essentially gave University President Wallace Lowe an ultimatum, if you don't fire, or if you don't bring back DJ Durkin, we will fire you. Remember, the board only had the authority to fire Wallace Lowe. They did not have the authority to retain or remove any campus employee like DJ Durkin. That was Most Punchable Face 2008 Award recipient Adam Rittenberg. He's detailing the tremendous disaster that is DJ Durkin's time as Maryland Terrapin's head football coach that saga finally came to an end this week after the university fired Durkin one day after he was reinstated by a board of regents this comes after Durkin claimed ignorance involving the conditioning death of former offensive lineman Jordan McNair the former head coach is now due 5.53 million dollars on the remaining of his contract who do you think touches this job with a 10 foot 10 foot pole this offseason uh, it's it's hard to say, but it'll be a, you know a young coach looking for an opportunity to make a name for himself. I mean, anytime you can get a Power Five job, that's good. But this has been such a mess for Maryland. Um, it's really sad because you have a, a young man that died, and then it becomes political, and it becomes motivated by money and figuring out the best way to make sure that all sides are happy. And and they they they've taken misstep after misstep after misstep but we've seen teams like Baylor I mean they, they haven't certainly come back to the prominence that they have but they've moved on from the Art Bryles era you've seen you know Penn State move on from Joe Paterno so it's not new to, to big time college football to have scandal I mean if you can get past the Jim Trestle tattoo scandal you can get past anything oh god I just I, I can't believe that you had a board of regents reinstate him and then think it was a good idea for him to go back out on the recruiting trail. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's like, what do you tell a parent? It, it, exactly. It, it, the whole the whole thing is absolutely insane. But your question is, as far as who's going to take the job, there'll they'll be somebody. It's it, If he's getting paid $5 million not to coach there because he killed somebody or, or under his watch, someone There's somebody died. out there thinking, I think I could do that better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're not you're not stepping in for uh, for Bear Bryant. Everybody's telling me don't go, you know, and the worst thing you tell me is dare me or say I can't do something. In that respect, I enjoy being here. I've been in several organizations, uh, several buildings. There's an awful lot of good things here. we got to win. That's a man who looks like he's never heard of internet porn, Greg Williams. Good news for fat Walter White lookalike this week. He's been promoted to interim head coach of the Cleveland Browns after the canning of Hugh Jackson. Never mind that Williams was at the center of New Orleans' Bounty Gate scandal. Let's instead focus on his comment at a recent press conference that read, quote, Since I left Buffalo, I had 11 letters to interview for head coaching jobs. Four of them didn't even have to interview. Just show up and sign the contract. 
This was made even funnier because Brian Billick, for some reason, was on Twitter, retweeted it, and said, quote, Me too, bro. Me too. How many more wins do you think the Browns will have with Williams at the helm? Okay, so how many more? There's, what, a total of three? Two. Oh, there's just, just a two wins and a tie. Yeah, and a tie. I think you were <laughs> counting the tie as a win. I mean, a tie is basically a win. I mean, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's half a win. And Let's just assume that. Well, listen, if, you, if your entire tenure, you only have two wins, you have to give them a lot of credit for that tie. Uh, boy. Um, wow, I've never seen you take so much stock in a tie. Listen, ties are a big deal, you know. Anyways, um, yeah, I don't know. I expect Greg Williams to be fired pretty quick. He's pretty delusional, so I don't think he gets the same two-year, two-and-a-half-year window to, to accumulate two wins. So I'll, I'll, go, I'll take push on this, Bob, uh, but the tie gives Hugh Jackson the edge. <laughs> now you turn it into a gambling thing. Hey, why not? I'm sure there's a line out there for that. Yeah, that's probably it has to be. All right, time for my favorite story of the week, and this one comes from the sunny state of California. Scientists at the Scripps Research Institute in La Jolla have recruited an unlikely ally in their efforts to develop a new universal flu vaccine. Llamas have been used to produce a new antibody therapy that has the potential to work against all types of flus, including new pandemics. Influenza is the ultimate shape shifter constantly. All right. This is not part of the story. Uh, <laughs> this is why a new flu. Did you prepare for this at all? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Let's just get to the point here. They're using llama blood to treat all forms of the flu. There you go. Yeah. Nothing can go wrong with that. When you take animal blood and inject it into people, just let the llama spit on everybody and we'll all be safe. Yeah. I don't see anything going wrong with that. First thing I thought when I heard this was, um, you know, uh, that movie, uh, I am legend. Oh, are we going to get llama like, strength? Yeah. We're all they, getting llama strength. Everybody where I think everybody's going to turn into ravenous llama crazed zombies. I mean, that's what yeah. that movie was, right? They created the cure for cancer and it gave everybody really bad rabies. Yeah. <laughs> they went nutters. The flu is cured, but now everybody's got llama yeah. craze. Let's see. Uh, not sit in bed for a week, become a ravenous zombie. Oh. So you're saying what you're saying is I am legend meets the emperor's new groove. Yeah, for the most part. And everybody yeah. will sound like David Spade. Yeah. It sounds swishy. Sounds dangerous. Um, I think anytime you uh, oversimplify science and just put those headlines out, yeah, it's perfect fodder for, hey, let's take this uh, to the most closely related movie reference that we can figure out. So, yeah, I'm sure that's what will happen. There's nobody in the FDA or in any of the uh, the universities that will go and double check to make sure we don't become llama zombies. Yeah, well, we'll that's okay. why they have the guinea pigs, right? Hey, listen, if you can get rid of polio, you can get rid of the flu. Uh, science is amazing. Yay, science. You've been on a big science kick with your favorite stories lately. I love science. Science is fantastic. Do you love science, uh, traffic guy? I have a name. Uh, I know, no, but you also uh, have a job. Uh, Whoa. It's true. Jeez. Uh, Somebody's holier than thou. Yeah. I would like to be referred to by my name. I was actually still wow. stuck up on the last story of Greg Williams and Bounty Gate because oh, I can't get Jeff Fisher or Bounty Gate out of my mind when it comes to Greg Williams. Uh, yeah, science is cool. Wait, Jeff, Jeff Fisher, Fisher was involved in Bounty Gate? No, no, no. J he, Greg Williams was the D coordinator under Jeff Fisher for the Rams. Yes. Oh. Bring back. Oh, I, I it's, forgot it's, about it's, that. It's, uh, my, it's my professional goal to get Jeff Fisher back into the NFL. All right. Yeah, you've way to ruin the end of another segment. You are absolutely. <laughs> you don't have to work too you, hard. Doing, He'll you're get doing back fantastic. There. With uh, a bunch of, what, did you want to uh, comment on uh, science? What was yes. I supposed to say there? Science is great. And then I go, 
Thank you. That was Good versus Evil, brought to you by our friends at 808, the titan of Hawaiian restaurants. I do have at 20, an update. At 2454 East Burnside or 52nd and Woodstock. No updates from you. You do traffic and weather now, and that's all you get to do. You get out of here. We'll do it next hour. Sinner and Saint, uh, second hour starts after what? Traffic and news from Preston. Just this stop is talking. Stop talking. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 